When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Wayne Spoony and Jake Eisenberg are both here. And of course, it's a very peaceful day in Celtics land <laughs> with nothing to complain about. Spoony, how you doing, man? I wouldn't have it any other way. I love complaining. So I'm, I'm ripping ready to go, dude. Yeah, a bit of fun, fake being mad for a couple days, you know, about something that's not right. going to you know, really impact my life that Negatively is super fun. Everybody, let's get super mad. Jake, you had a chance to exercise some demons on the late night show last mm. night. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. We're good. Uh, I'm ready to to do the you know the final um, fury, you know, and then uh, uh, move on and focus on the uh, T Wolves and the Bucks as we are remaining as the best team in the NBA. <laughs> well, look, before we get going here, a little call to action. Please subscribe to the First of the Floor YouTube channel. We're so close to 3,000 subs. We know there's more than 3,000 of you that like your Celtics content, and we've really hit our rhythm here with a nice suite of Celtics content over the last few months. Uh, we've got podcasts, obviously, late night shows, as you saw last night, the Underrated Plays series, which we're about to record after this show, our third iteration of that uh, series. We've got YouTube shorts. We've got everything as well. Subscribe to the audio podcast, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, wherever, leave a five-star rating and a review. There's all kinds of algorithmic favors you can do for us out there, so please do all of the above. Check out Wayne Spoonie's column on Celtics blog, Three Leaf Clover, this week covering Luke Cornett, the Corn Hub, High Post Fulcrum, DHO Master, as well as Tatum's off-ball movement and why some losses just don't matter. And finally, watch Celtics Celtics games with us, rather, over at Celtics Blog's Playback Room. All of the links are in the description right now. Check them out. Now, Jake and I fired off some takes on last night's pod. Spoonie, you were not there, notably. So before we get to this last two-minute report, Spoonie, what were your general takeaways on last night's loss to the Pacers? Uh, so, yeah, I think the big thing for me, positive-wise, is I thought, like, the offense looked really good, looked really fluid, looked really clean. Part of that's probably the Pacers are a terrible defensive team. <laughs> but I think it speaks more to... The fact that we have Chris Stapp's poor Zingus now, and instead of Jalen Brown trying to do too much by himself, although he did a lot, but KP makes his role as he ascends to number one, Jalen does, KP stepping in as the clear number two, takes a ton of pressure off Jalen, makes things um, just easier for everybody on the team. KP was moving the ball. He had seven assists eight potential assists and you don't always get a potential assist when you get an assist. Um, and he had some incredible hockey assists too, or potential hockey assists. Like he had this one, like wrap around one handed pass yeah. down low to holiday who kicked it to Derek white and Derek missed the three. But he, I just thought he was like really comfortable moving the ball. Um, Jake, you, you said it on late night. He's not been great driving closeouts this season. Thought he did a better job at it last night. Um, so I just really encouraging just, man, this dude is just continues to impress me. Like everything this team needs, he just is like, okay, I'll do that this game. You need me to just space the floor and, and you know, be a decoy. I can do that. You need me to actually like take 15 shots, 20 shots. I can do that too. And then defensively, tough matchup, the Pacers for KP, very tough matchup. That doesn't help <laughs> when they shoot 48% from three or whatever they did. Um, but otherwise, I just thought he looked really great on the offensive end. And I thought we got killed in transition. Um, in fact, we did get killed in transition. Uh, 22 transition transition possessions, 1.36 points per possession for the Pacers. Uh, the Celtics, 0.69 points per transition possession, which is like friggin' terrible. Yeah. That'd be like us three running the three-man weave in transition <laughs> against NBA players. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I thought, and and you know, I complain about how we get every team's best shooting night, and we got um, Indy's best shooting night, but we had one right back, so you yeah. can't complain about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just Indy's tough to guard. It felt like our defensive game plan was so um, intent on stopping Tyrese Halliburton when he went out we were like oh shit what the hell do we do now and we just looked uncomfortable you guys talked about it a lot it's like why the hell are we in zone when Halliburton's not playing and it's Uh like that was the plan so we just went with it so I've been very I thought Joe has done an amazing job this season not his finest game that was a takeaway for me as well from definitely not Joe's best game the Cornet Al thing Against the paces, we just we have we have the horses to go fast and go small. Let's let's do that as opposed to zagging. He clearly cr- trusts Cornette to be in the right spots and do the right things, which technically I think I guess is true. Cornette was in the right spots. It's just the paces were going around the right spots very easily. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, surprisingly, when I'm usually like the offense is, is the problem, the defense was absolutely the issue last night, and it was the third quarter. They completely let go of the rope once Halliburton went down. It's like mm-hmm. if, Hall- if Halliburton stays in the game, I think they win the game. Like they were very locked in defensively in the first two quarters, keeping them kind of under 30, and then they give up a 44-point quarter in the third. And then you just, when you're playing a team like the Pacers, you're kind of throwing it to the variance guards at that point, just the way that everybody's playing so fast and – Sometimes the Celtics get get pulled into it. That's what the Pacers do. They pull you into their carnival style basketball run shoot, like yep. as opposed to the Celtics. Like let's like take a step. Let's enforce our physicality on this Pacers team, where they kind of got pulled into the Pacers game a little bit. And once you're there, there's so many possessions. Kind of anything can happen. Yeah, and of all the players to get pulled into that style of play, like temporary lead guitarist, lead singer, Jalen Brown, <laughs> fulfilling that role, he's yeah. absolutely going to get pulled into that mode of playing because he loves oh, yeah. it. He loves that style of play. And it was great for the most part. 40 points it was a sexy Jalen Brown game. But, you know, having a night to, to sleep on it or to, to lie awake about it, in my case, the, the major disappointment is, you know, you go up against certain teams, certain matchups, uh, and they've got those world-bending players. And you go in and you think, geez, like, how, how are we going to defend these guys? Whether it you know, be, and Bede or, or Jokic or whoever. And we kind of have that to some degree with, with Porzingis. And, you know, whenever we went to Porzingis on the switch at the nail, it was just like automatic buckets or at least an automatic trip to the free throw line. And a little disappointed that we didn't get to that look more. I know it was the JB show, but just like that's such a, an efficient look for the Celtics. And, you know, I haven't looked back at the stats as far as the frequency in which we got to that, but it didn't certainly feel frequent enough at the time when we were losing and on rewatch as well it didn't feel like we got to that enough Spoonie what do you think yeah I I think that's absolutely part I thought we did a really good job of getting to it in the first half and then kind of went away from it in the second half and kind of went away from everything that was working especially in that third quarter and Jake I think that's a great point and especially in the third quarter it was just hectic up and down fly basketball and that is what the Pacers want to do even when McConnell was like really good at that style of basketball and he's just like is this he might be the most underrated player in the NBA dude like every time I flip on a Pacers game he's lighting people up I watched him like blow by Giannis and make a layup on him the other night I'm like who is this dude um (laughs) And and I think that also is partly Jalen taking over that number one role. Like he's just overstretched as the number one guy, like five turnovers. Like we've talked about him and Jason getting KP those looks at the high post. And, you know, without Tatum and Tatum, I feel like especially recently has Mm -hmm. been really good at it. And Tatum just gets more defensive attention. So it's an easier pass. And KP usually has more space to operate when Tatum's out there. So without Tatum, you kind of see some of the weaknesses of this is why this guy's our number two, not the number one, even though he was awesome. I don't want to take anything away from Jalen, but that's like, you know, on the margins, how you lose a close game. Those are the things that matter. Mm hmm. Should we get to it, guys? The last two-minute report? All right, let's just summarize it very quickly. You can see it up on screen here if you're watching on YouTube. So on the Jalen Brown shot where he was mashed in the head, my words, not the last (laughs) two-minute report's words, the video clearly shows, quote, the video clearly shows healed, makes contact with the ball from behind Jalen Brown while in contact with the ball, 
Heald also makes minimal contact with Brown's head, which has been deemed incidental. And it goes on to say the rule book makes clear the mere fact contact occurs does not necessarily constitute a foul. What am I looking at here, guys? What am I looking at? This is absolutely (laughs) insane. And, you know, um, pair that with how long it took the report to come out. And I know that it doesn't always come out like clockwork at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but this was far later than usual. Jake, (laughs) I mean, we'll go to you first, just if you want to recycle any of last night's thoughts, if you've got anything to add, because, I mean, this is an extension of how ridiculous it was already last night. Well, we joked about that referee being in the car on the way back to the hotel or whatever, being like, damn it, I just should I should have just not done that yeah. and everything would have been fine. Yeah, email pops up. That's why the two-minute report took a little longer to come out. The meeting with Adam Silver on the head of the call was like, guys, just reaming them out for an extra half an hour. And they landed on, well, we're just going to pretend like yeah. – it was incidental and just lie. That's what we're going to do. We're going to lie. There's nothing they can do about it. And we're going to move on. And they're going to something's going to play tomorrow and they'll forget about it. But uh, we're going to lie. That's going to be our response. And that's what we're going to do. So I, I think the key word, right? Incidental is the word that's in the rule book, right? That's the word we're interpreting. Obviously, yeah. that's a complete judgment call. Yeah. When you review a play where the foul is called. Yes. In you have the the review has the burden of proof. It has to be clear and obvious. It wasn't more than incidental contact, right? Spoken like Tell a true ball, it, man. I know this is great. I know. I know. Right? <laughs> this is so great. like. If you look at that video and say that is one hundred percent clear and obvious, just incidental contact. You're fucking out of your mind, dude. It's <laughs> yeah, in the head, right? Like, I, if, if, he, if they didn't call it and somehow it was reviewed and they said, you know what, incidental, we're not going to, you know, we're not yeah. going to give a word of foul. Fine. But that video is not clear and obvious proof that it was le- it was incidental. Con- it was clearly more than incidental so contact bad. on the review. So it just doesn't make sense to me how you can look at that and say like i'm this meets the high burden to overturn the call that's on the court therefore we're going to screw the celtics out of a win although jalen was going to the line i know you guys talked about well, it briefly but yeah, yeah. And, and during well, the game yeah well yeah. Wor- worst case it was overtime and all jalen like even jalen can probably make mm. one bsm in the chat like this was just as close to a flagrant as it was to a yeah, like, more closer to a flagrant than incidental. Like if he hits him with the elbow, and Jalen's like, "Damn, that actually hurt." Like if Jalen flops better, it probably is just like not even a question. It's ridiculous. Yes. Well, it's led to outrage on a truly international scale. We've got Australian <laughs> tennis legend Nick Kyrgios here. Mm. LOL, umpires and referees lucky lucky to still have a job in any sport, <laughs> to be honest. We've got LeBron James back home in the States here, siding with the Celtics. Yeah, See what wow. I'm saying? JB clearly got hit in the back of the head. They reviewed the play just to reverse it and say he didn't. Man, what? Good ass <laughs> game to have an ending like that. And you'll see and you'll see why I'll be going ape shit. I believe I'm interpreting that emoji yep. sequence yeah. correctly. Yeah. Out there, uh, what it happens? Just absurd stuff from LeBron James, and then Jason Tatum, the much better player in my opinion, uh, <laughs> quote tweeting the uh, Legion Hoops caption there of the last two minute report, saying, "Well, this is some bullshit." Um, but not the first time I fully agree with Jason Tatum, guys. Any, any yeah. thoughts on the uh, the social media um, attention on this? I'm I'm just glad that we're all on the same page. We can all yeah. see this is clear, obvious. Um, Adam Silver should reverse the game. 29 and 7 will be the official record of the Boston Celtics. Still three losses away from double bit double digit losses. Yeah, Curios chiming in here, unsurprisingly, um, yep. taking shots at umpires and referees all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> taking the opportunity to expand his uh range of fire. But yeah, it's uh it's, and like the rest of the two-minute report too. I don't know if we're gonna get to that, but like they they said then they said the foul on Porzingis was not a foul when it like it was a foul. I thought that was I, I, a foul too. Too. Yeah. What are we well, doing? So before that, with two seconds remaining, apparently Miles Turner actually commits a moving screen it's- on Jalen Brown on that on their sort of final offensive possession. And then yeah, with 0.6 seconds remaining, this is per the the last two minute report. Obviously, the, the Porzingis uh, legally contests Ben Matherin's three point shot attempt with uh, quote some incidental contact. 
So corruption at the highest level, guys. Yeah, at the highest level. Total bullshit. And uh, we should probably leave it there because everything yeah. that could be said about it has already been said about it. And before we move on to some very pro Jason Tatum talk, we're going to get to a quick word from our sponsor. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays find bets in the new explore tab make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and more so visit fanduel.com slash boston and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl must be 21 plus and present in select states fanduel is offering online sports wagering in kansas under an agreement with kansas star casino llc first online real money wager only ten dollars first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, one 800 522 24700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming hope is here visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why in New York. I have a FanDuel shout out, not betting related. Oh, Someone tried to access my account. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I got an email this morning that said your account is suspended because of too many failed accesses. Um, and it was not me. So shout out to FanDuel and their awesome security. You know your money and your bets are safe with FanDuel, man. So I got to reset it. And, and then I because I went to go look for a bet before this and I was like, oh yeah, my account's suspended. <laughs> wow. uh, but I'm sure it's very easy and simple, yeah. Well, that's a better endorsement than anything that we could possibly <laughs> yeah. offer. That's, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, Aussie Phil, Ben's read, Jake's read. Yeah, I, I struggled doing the read. I got to redo this thing. I feel like I'm whispering. <laughs> it, it took me like 10, it took me like 10 attempts to uh, to do it. So we're going we're gonna to go back to the drawing board and get that one done. Sorry about that, Fandle. <laughs> but um, in unfortunate... Um, News: John Morant, you know, obviously with the uh, yeah. with the injury, but Grizzlies, Mavs. Oh, it's actually live right now. Is it live? Can't tell on this. Um. Anyway, actually, let's go to Lakers, Raptors. Raptors plus four and a half. They got like that post trade bump vibe about them quickly, and uh, and RJ Barrett playing well. The Lakers got a, actually a huge win against the Clippers last night, but I'm not buying it. I think that was a fluke win, and uh, they're back to losing Raptors plus four and a half. Let's get it. You see that LeBron like near free throw. Well, it was a good large man's pace in from the free throw line, but that massive dunk uh, on on the Clippers there on Paul George, like he is not 39 years old. Like he he is, but he's he's not the same. He is in a world of his own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, don't don't say it too loud because I'm pretty sure Al Horford's on the same stuff. So no, no way. He, he is fully pure coconut water, kale shakes. He he is a pure soul and a, a pure man. Anytime LeBron does do something, I'm like, it just it just makes me think of Al Horford's still got plenty left in him. You know? Oh yeah. LeBron gonna maintain LeBron standards and Al Horford maintaining Horford standards. And he doesn't need to do anything flashy like dunk from nearly the yeah. free throw line at age 37 or whatever he is to prove himself. He knows he knows he's worth uh, chocolate milk. Absolutely. Shout out to Sam LaFrance in the chat. Um, this Jason Tatum guy, guys, he has been incredible. Uh, it's... It's been said on so many podcasts and YouTube shows already, but he is staying true to the like long running meme now of like, he's basically, you know, I'm not going to quote it directly, but he's ramping up uh, and putting everyone into, into question, into deep anxiety and misery in my case as to like, wow, is he still got it? Is he still that guy? Can we rely on him down the stretch in the playoffs? <laughs> is he going to lead us to a championship? And then the new year ticks over, we get to January and especially February, which excitedly is still to come. And suddenly he's that guy again. We've found him. Spoonie... 
like uh, is that consistent with your experience and and what's your take on like how how consistent Tatum's like regular season trajectory is year on year it's bizarre isn't it yeah. i mean it really is strange it's like that first season where he really popped that kemba year mm. i i don't think it intentionally went this way but then i think it was right before the league shut down those like last month and a half he was just absolutely insane i remember he really put his stamp down against the clippers he had like 44 mm-hmm. and lit them up in overtime and then since then, it's like, J- Jason, you know, you can just play well for like 82 games, right, buddy? But no, he just doesn't do it. This is just what he does every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not his his bad is still 27, you know, eight and four, yeah. which is yeah. still incredible. But the floor has the last- risen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. He and the floor have risen. So last seven <laughs> games. 85, 65 true shooting percentage, plus 24 net rating, which is just absolutely absurd. And this is the first year we were, he had actually had a negative impact on the net ratings when he was on the court. Not the case anymore. He's like plus four um, on off differential now. So he's just back to being Jason Tatum. He's back up towards that top five conversation, which I think by the end of the year we will be having. Yeah, this guy's pretty good. This Jason yep. Tatum guy. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've been workshopping this like this take a little bit. You know the 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 version of like the best version of Tatum. Like I, you know, the maybe in the playoffs is a slightly scaled down offensive version because he's so good on defense. Um, but I've refined it a little bit here because we've talked a little bit about how Tatum has been coasting at times throughout the regular season, and I think that's true. And the, and the best version of Tatum, because he's look as as good as he is offensively, and he's one of the best offensive players in the NBA. He's not the same type of offensive player as Jokic, Luca, Shea, like that. Just money spot on the court or whatever. Um, still an incredible offensive player. But what makes Tatum great to me is he's good at everything. Incredible at everything. Great playmaker. The rebounding. The defense. Uh, just across the board. And the, the thing about that version of Tatum is a lot of that stuff is really hard to do and takes a lot of effort. The best version of Tatum in the playoffs, he's getting to the line eight, nine, ten times per game. He's grabbing 10, 11 rebounds. And it's kind of anecdotal because it's hard to line this data up, but it's like when Tatum's playing with a physicality like that, you can tell he was playing like this in the Thunder game. You can tell he was playing like this in the Pacers game. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's like really being physical with guys, getting downhill. When he's playing like that, it feels like the outside shots go down as well. Or it's like he he gets downhill and that helps the outside shots go in. It's hard to pass those things together, but that's what it feels like. But we don't really want him playing that way all the time. You know, the 10 free throws. Because he's at the last seven games, he's like at the eight, eight, eight point something free throws, which is up for his, from his like 5.9 on the season, more rebounds. That's a lot to ask, but I like getting glimpses and like the playoff defense against the Thunder. I like getting glimpses of this super, like I call him Andre Karolinko superstar version, like the AK-47 superstar where he's able to drop 30 plus on you, but he's also like capable of having three blocks, two steals and 14 rebounds. Totally. Where, where are you guys at with like now the pull up three is going know, down. It's, it's something that we've been shunning for years now because it's just not an efficient play. And yet, in, in that first Pacers game when it's just going down and he hits eight threes or whatever, and I think six <laughs> of them are like just straight up pull up in your face threes. It's a sexy play. You know, I was watching the highlights from your playback stream, Jake, and like it just gets people so excited. It I gets mean. you in, in your feelings and um, <laughs> really it brings out like the, the most emotion from a fan perspective in terms of watching the game because it's just such a fuck you. Like there's so much I could do. I'm so big. I'm so strong. I'm so fast. I could score in so many different ways, but like, fuck you. I'm just going to shoot it in your face. And when it goes into that level of, of efficiency, it's so exciting. And yet like, for long-term success, we kind of need him to go away from that. So, Spoonie, how have you felt just with the recent sort of uptick in, you know, successful uh, pull-up three shooting from Tatum? Yeah, I, I, there's a there's a middle ground, right? And he's just not found the middle ground ever. <laughs> he's just always shoots a shit ton of them, no matter if they're going in or not. Um, but I trust him enough that when it's going down, 
dude, just yeah. fire away until it he stops going it. down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, because it's sort of like when Curry first started hitting those like super deep threes and it was like, oh, we just can't guard this guy like we guard normal elite guards, right? We just have to do something different. And like how many six foot nine dudes are hitting step backs at the rate Tatum does when he's feeling it? The answer is probably Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Like, that's it, basically. And you just can't defend him normally. So, like, they get so scared that he's going to go to the step back. Then he starts getting into those counter moves where he, like, fakes the step back and then just, like, pushes it past. And all the way he's he's at the rim, he's finishing over length, he's making plays. He's just so, so absolutely unguardable. And all you can do is double him. And that's what the teams have started to just like straight up double them. The Pacers were just like throwing two at them at the end of that game. Like, screw it. We don't care. The rest of your team could play four on three because we have literally no other answer. Here's the, the, the problem with the pull up threes is, is when they're going in, he might be the best player of all time. Like, I mm-hmm. I, 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 like when, yeah. when, he has, when he has a game like that, game six against Milwaukee, like he's just completely, completely unstoppable. And our, our scout player development uh, friend, Eric Weiss, seems to think that he's shooting them like with better form. Like he's getting more square. The alignment's better. There was a rumbling on the broadcast that Drew Hanlon was yeah. around the team uh, right before the Pacers game. Um can we just get, can we just, can he always be around the team? Well, um, yeah, because then it pulls him away from Embiid and, you know, other yeah. high caliber players. Well, I think really the list ends at Embiid because then it's like Bradley Beal and Zach Levine and players who pose no threat to the Celtics. But get him away from Embiid. Just get him yes. on the staff. Just like how we signed Greg Monroe years ago. Get him off <laughs> any other roster. Bring him on board. And just the absence of him anywhere else is a benefit to the Celtics. So, sorry, yeah. tangent. It, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Did not extend. Ben's been sitting on that one for a while. I've got uh, some demons. Yeah. Get him away. Yeah. Like you've, you've, you've got Embiid the MVP. That's as far as you're going to go. Like you've maxed out your accomplishments for Joel Embiid. It's time to turn your attention to someone that can, can actually win a championship and, and win in the playoffs. And that's, and that's Jason Tatum. Yeah. It, it's trying to find that middle ground, which he definitely hasn't. But here's the thing. The, the team can be so good and, is him taking two, and now we're back to the other side of the pendulum, is him taking two to three of the bad pull-ups just worth it? Because if they do go in, then the Celtics are unstoppable. And if they don't, then the Celtics might still be unstoppable. So it might not matter either way. So you may as well just like let him have one or two. It, it is when like he, they're, like sometimes they're just off. You can tell it's just off and it's like, don't anymore but then there are some games when it goes in and out on the first two and it's like oh man it feels like it's right there and then all of a sudden he's eight for a 14 so yeah i I, i'm completely torn on it i'm just gonna go back to being like it's the good kind and i feel like he's been taking the good kind and i'm not sure if that's actually any like any factual evidence of that at all (laughs) dude like he's only 25 we might get a season or two if we're really lucky like age 29 season where he just like hits those at like 42 percent and it's just like the actualized realized version of jason tatum just his actual prime like we may not even be fully aware of how good it could get um Anyway, let's move on to something, uh, a complete 180 here. Uh, and we're very sorry to hear this news. The news about Ja Morant is what I'm talking about. He had a, a labrum tear and he's getting season-ending surgery. And the result of that and, and why it's sort of relevant to this discussion is that somewhat naturally, a lot of potential Marcus Smart trade talk has come up. And some of the... Te- and this is all on you know NBA Twitter and Reddit and stuff. It's not yeah. people reporting this, but it's... Uh, potentially upsetting, I think, for for a lot of people because some of the team names that are coming up in these discussions are the Bucks and the Heat and the Sixers and and teams that have you know near contenders, if not already contenders, and just need like an, an extra ball handler or a playmaker or someone with sort of a championship caliber. Uh, and the Bucks, I think, is is a name that has come up quite frequently, which is hilarious because if you look back through, uh, for example, Nathan Marzian is that his name? Yeah, yeah Nate Marzian's Twitter. There's so much Marcus Smart slander it's ridiculous and suddenly it's this pendulum swing this complete 180 of well this guy would be perfect and how upsetting it would be for Celtics fans would be amazing 
And yet, if you look at Marcus Smart's contract, if you look at the trajectory of the Grizzlies, I think you can make a pretty reasonable call, Spoonie, that it's very unlikely that they would trade Marcus Smart given how soon they expect uh, Ja Morant back, which is as early as the beginning of next season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I... Well, first of all, can I just say, like, how much hate has Marcus Smart it's got insane. from the Bucks, right? Yeah. Like, Cel- the Celtics players live in this bizarre world where they suck, but also Jason Tatum has the best yep. team around him, and therefore he sucks too um, because he has so much help. And then the second they leave, all of a sudden they're like borderline all-stars and amazing players, and oh my God, they're really going to miss Grant Williams. I swear it. That guy was so good. So it's just like, how many times have we seen this exact same reaction or the second somebody leaves the Celtics, they're amazing. Um, but first of all, please don't let him be on the Bucks. He's exactly mm-hmm. what they need. And that would be like impossible for me to deal with. Uh, but I, I don't I think Memphis made that trade, right? They gave up two first round picks. That was not a oh, we'll see how it goes this year and then maybe flip them for more assets later type of trade. I mean, I think they see him in the long-term plans next to Ja. So unless they blow them away and all of these teams who would want him don't have any assets to trade anyway, really, uh, certainly not to recoup two firsts and get, I imagine they'd want someone who can at least play a little bit back too. And you have to match his contract, which is difficult as well. So I don't think it's realistic. It's not surprising to me that Bucks fans are, you know, living in a fantasy land where it is realistic to them. Uh, but I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, Bucks is absolutely not happening at all. There's, they don't, they don't have anything besides Bobby Portis and like there. And here's the thing about the Bucks young guys: the Marjon Beauchamp, he's 23, and Andre Jackson's 22. Like they're not these like super young, high upside guys, and they've been okay this season. Like if you want, if they're going to be 23 and 22, you're hoping to see a lot more polish, someone that can actually play a little bit more at that age. So you've got Bobby Portis, one of those two guys who they kind of actually need those two guys anyway. So they would be losing guys that are playing for them as well if they were to send two of those guys out. And the only draft asset they have is the Blazers' second round pick, which I think has a little bit of value. But yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies traded two first round picks and Tyus Jones, who has real value in the NBA as well. Like this is a huge trade for them. They gave up a lot for Marcus Smart. People were like, Brad got... A shitload for Marcus. That's he like completely won that trade. I would be stunned if the Grizzlies trade him at all, unless it's like a blow you away type offer, which the Bucks can't do. The Sixers won't. I don't think you can't surround Joel Embiid. I don't think with someone like Marcus Smart. He needs to be a shooter. You mm-hmm. can't let them have another like someone to to play off with Joel Embiid, and then the the Heat. That would that would be, that would worry me, uh, and they actually have some stuff. But again, I think Marcus is a big part of the Grizzlies' future. Jar, yeah. Jar, like Marcus has two years left on his contract. Jar's gonna be—it's like a shoulder. Like it's not a like a hugely concerning injury long term. Like once it's healed, it's healed. JJJ Smart Jar Bane were playing really good ball. They absolutely want to see this thing through. Quietly, what they should do is 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 like protect Marcus Smart from himself. Sit him down, rest him. Tank, yeah. Tank, get a top five, top ten pick. Maybe roll that into another player or draft someone that can play for you over the next couple of years. That's the move, and then you come back reloaded next year. Well, devil's devil's advocate though, couldn't you trade Marcus Smart tank naturally because you're you know you're getting rid of some talent, uh, and then also bring in you know a high lottery pick in exchange for Marcus Smart as well? Isn't that maybe the incentive for for the Grizzlies? That's that. That would be a, a true reset, though. Like if you're, if you're going to come in and get prospects and then build around that tenth guy, then you're going to be more in a we're still building for the future type mold. Where Marcus Smart is a, like the Grizzlies were the two seed last year and the two seed right. the year before that. Like they have been like kind of knocking on the door of making the NBA Finals. Like that's where their head's at. Their mm-hmm. head is not in. Um, we'll, we'll keep collecting assets and um, yada yada yada. They they want to win. And they are ready to win with the talent that they have on their team. That would be what I would think. And maybe I'm wearing my Celtics t-shirt and I am um, just can't <laughs> comprehend the idea of Marcus Smart going to one of these teams. But that it would, it would surprise me. And 
Smart's a known asset, right? Like, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him on the court. And it just seems extremely risky to me to give all that up for him. And you're right, Jake. The the very short period of time that they had John Moran healthy, they looked really, really good. Like, the experiment worked. Um, so I would be, I think, very risky for them to then move him on for young players that they already have tons of young players to develop. They've already got a bunch of lottery tickets that they hope are going to turn into somebody. And look, the NBA moves quick. Bain's like 26, 27 yeah. already. Like he was a really old rookie. So um, the the clock is ticking. Marcus is locked up for a couple more years. Like their team is going to eventually get really expensive. So I... I don't think they'd kick the can down the road. Like the time is kind of now for them. Um, and Smart's timeline fits them perfectly. This is an unfortunate injury, but yeah, I would be absolutely shocked if they, they traded him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple people in the chat saying like, this isn't the year to tank. Yeah. The draft this year doesn't sound very good, but like we already saw it. Like they're not going to have to worry about purposely, not purposefully tanking. They were 10 and uh, what, <laughs> six and six and tw- 19 when Jar came yeah. back. Like they're going to get a top 10 pick regardless now um, and then that's probably going to hopefully find you a high level role player someone um, that you can come in and plug in for the next like five years mm, and the absence of Stephen Adams as well apologies if, if you already yeah. mentioned that uh, you know he'll be back next year as exactly well, so yeah great point coming back um, this was on Bucks Reddit which is in the context of uh, no their way, Reddit page is like hand in hand, Marcus Smart oh helping gosh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> but what you don't realize that if, if you're watching, uh, listening rather on, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, please subscribe, leave a good review, uh, is it's actually Giannis pulling Marcus Smart yep. down and preventing him from getting back into play. So it's 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 two guys at, at odds with each other, not helping one another. So uh, you change the context of a photo and we see this online all the time uh, and you put out a completely incorrect and, and false vibe, which is what Bucks fans are doing unsurprisingly guys Bucks just a terrible terrible fan base there anyway let's move on a couple more it. things to get to and we want to talk about the best of the worst which is who's winning <laughs> the battle at the end of the bench because guys like to start with this particular individual O'Shea Brissett has had some promising moments lately and there's a huge you know obvious on dig on him and that he can't shoot if O'Shea Brissett with the rest of his skill set and he's like crazy elite offensive rebounding could shoot he would probably be starting on a team somewhere or if not at least like well yeah. entrenched in their rotation uh, and yet he can't shoot and that's why we're lucky enough to have him at a minimum contract on, on the Celtics here lucky but, us. you know looking down the list guys are these deep bench guys O'Shea Brissett Sfima Mihailuk, Lamar Stevens uh, Delano Bantam Spoonie, who is sort of emerging in your mind at this juncture of the season as the most promising of the worst? And I'm, I'm sorry to put it that way, but that's what it is. <laughs> do, you, do you guys know what Svi is shooting from three this year? Oh, can I it guess? Can't be good. Uh, guess. Is, it, is it 27? Like it can't? No. Oh, no. I ben, tw- 22? 19% oh, from no. three this season. Spie. Come yeah, on, man. Dude, he can't shoot. He can't play defense, so that's not ideal for Svi. Lamar, I know you guys are big Lamar guys. We get murdered when he's on the court. But he's not on the court. Come on. I know. I know. I have this super small sample size there. He leads the group in per 36 rebounding and has the highest field goal percentage of that group. So that's good. And the highest per 36 assists because Delano Banton does nothing. I don't know what what this dude is good at. I mean, I have no idea. I'd like he's, I think, on his way out of the NBA. So I think it's pretty clearly Brissett to me. Plus, nine net rating and i think most importantly jason tatum plays with the bench a ton you want to have guys who play well next to jason tatum all of those guys except for set have negative net ratings when they share the court with jason tatum not great Brissett plus 21 net rating when he's on the court with jason tatum so something's working that's good we like that um but pretty slim pickings down here. But to me, it's like Brissett hustles really hard and he's shooting the best from three out of this group somehow. So, Amazingly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. somehow he's got the YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, right. Come up, coming ben, up O'Shea. The content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you reckon, Jake? What did Lamar do to Joe to like not get it? Cause do you guys agree he hasn't gotten a real chance to, to show no. if he can actually play? Because uh, to me, like, he actually is the one that's proven that he can contribute 
on an actually good team more than anybody else. Like the, the biggest difference is Brissett is the better shooter, 34% on the career versus Lamar's like 28% on the career. So Brissett is the better shooter. But the, the, the thing is no one guards either of them like they can shoot. So it doesn't really even matter because Brissett's shooting 30%, Lamar's shooting 30%. But it's like yesterday against the Pacers with the Luke thing, let's try – Lamar Stevens is opposed to going to double bigs with Cornette and Al, which are like the numbers and the eye test prove that it just does not work, especially against that small team. I don't understand what Lamar Stevens has done to just like get no chance whatsoever. I saw someone in the chat theorize tinfoil hat. They're like, they're waiting to play him until after the deadline. I don't, Mm. I don't even know what, why that would help either way. Um, Like, does he have more or less value if he's playing? I don't, probably not. Um, but yeah, Brissett and the num- the numbers with Brissett are really good and he's been good lately, but like the job of this player is so easy, like to be him to like, to have a good net rating and, and good numbers on this team is so easy. You're going to be constantly surrounded by like Jason Tatum and Derek White and Al Horford. And it's just like, you, you don't need to do much. And so hmm. Banton, I mean, I, can we, can we get rid of the, the theoretical label at this point, because I'm I, I don't I think so. I, yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. the, the theory has been nullified. He might be the best theoretical player in the NBL or the Chinese <laughs> Basketball Association or yeah. somewhere else, um, Dude, but not in the NBA. It's over. I've 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 tied a bow on that one. Tied a bow. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. The the hypotenuse has uh has run its course. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say he's probably the most likely because they all got their contracts guaranteed recently. Um. Mm. which probably indicates more of a trade than the other way around, honestly. Um, so, mm-hmm. The Lamar thing, though, like there have Why? been some serious mysteries in NBA law. Like what <laughs> happened with Michael Jordan's retirement in 1993? Yep. What were the circumstances around? Was, was <laughs> uh, the commissioner involved in the retirement? You know, what happened with Kyrie Irving in 2019? What really went on behind the scenes there? What happened with Markel Fultz in the injury? <laughs> was it really a shoulder injury or an impingement of some sort? Was, a, was it a culture issue within the Sixers? What's going on with Lamar Stevens, guys? I'm putting what it in this category. Yesterday? Why isn't he playing? Well, yeah, what's going on with the I, referee? Well, yeah, I, I put Lamar Stevens and his absence on the court for the Celtics. The most qualified of all the deep bench players, given he played like as a consistent starter on a not-too-shabby Cavs team only a year ago. Yeah. Why aren't we seeing more of him? Give him a chance to fail at scale. Yeah. You know, at least in small sample size, there's nothing to derive from it. That give him a chance to fail at scale is like a Trumpism ban in the best <laughs> oh, way. Shit. That is so good. No, in a good oh, way. Cool. Anyway, it's catchy. Yeah, yeah. No, but and and in defense of Lamar, the only time he's got an actual real run with good players, he's playing center. Like, okay, that didn't work. That doesn't mean Lamar Stevens can't play the four for you. So I'm with you. I I would give Lamar more of a shot in those Brissett minutes and just see if he can be better than Brissett. But so far, not so much. Yeah. I just want to, yeah, I, I'm happy to be wrong. I just don't want to yeah. die knowing, not knowing. I don't want to be <laughs> yeah. on my deathbed and be like, Lamar Stevens could have been the guy, dude. The wing with yeah. size was on the roster. It was always Lamar Stevens. Um, but real question, is it, because I got a stat for you, which I saw today on, uh, on Twitter. The main Celtics put out a post today. After mm. Jordan Walsh goes five for 10 from three yesterday, okay. his three-point percentage is now 41.7% in the G League. Is the answer in Maine? I think they sprinkle some fairy dust along the three-point arc in the G League. <laughs> it, never, it never translates, right? Sam Yeah, Well, yeah, that's true. But more <laughs> realistically, like I think you, you, he's doing well. He's succeeding. You don't yeah. need to rush him into another I environment. Know, like, let, uh, let him excel for longer. Well, she, that's right, Heisenberg. Well, uh, Spoonie, any thoughts? Should we rush him over to Boston? Why the hell not? Give him two weeks. <laughs> yeah. see, what, see what happens. Come right. on. <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, love it. Look, has Brad nailed the development of Cornette and uh, Hauser by putting them in the G League and turning them into rotation players? Yes. Do we know better and do we want Walshy on the court immediately to ruin his development? Also, yes. So let's get him out there. <laughs> it would, it <laughs> hey. would do that. It would delay it massively. <laughs> yeah. Richard developed on the court. Like some guys can develop on the court. Yeah, it's he true. was a fifth year senior at Oregon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's besides the point. 
point. I think you repeated a couple of years in elementary school as well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, look, let's let's end on this, guys. We'll just the, the deep bench conversation. We put it on the run sheet every now and then because it feels important over stretches where we're missing guys, you know, namely Jason Tatum. But it never makes me feel good. You know, we never never leave this conversation thinking, well, you know, this guy's promising. It's not it's it's not an embarrassment of riches. It's it's quite the opposite. But guys, let's end on this. The upcoming schedule, we're in the thick of it now. We've had a couple of challenging games recently, but we've got the Timberwolves who are currently, I believe, if the score is held up here, thrashing the Orlando yeah, Magic right now. We play them in uh, Boston tomorrow, but their starters look to be you know, coming into that game well-rested, given it's yeah. a blowout there. Uh, and then we've got the Bucks on the road there in Milwaukee, and then the Rockets. Ime Udoka makes his return to TD Garden. So, Spoonie, I guess starting with the Wolves game tomorrow, and we'll run through it here. You know, What are your thoughts on this upcoming schedule for the Celtics. I feel like this is quick three and O and I think against <laughs> oh. the wolves. Yeah. The only reason the wolves beat us is because we were ice cold from three. The shootings come around. We're shooting the ball a lot better. I think we make a statement against the wolves. I feel like the bucks, they can't guard us. They'll probably shoot amazing. Like everybody does against us. Close game, maybe similar to that Thanksgiving day game. Um, and then I, I just, I do not believe in this Rockets team. I know they just beat the Bucks. I watched a lot of that game. Like they're fun. Sengun's fun, but like, I just, I don't know something about him. It just feels kind of smoke and mirrors to me in a lot of ways. So I think we'll pretty much outclass the Rockets at home. Are you guys like, I don't know how to feel about Yudoka coming back. Yeah. I'm wondering, are they, are they easy going to get booed? Is he going to get a standing ovation? I'm guessing no on the tribute video. That's probably a no-go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually have a question for you. So if the Celtics had won the title in the finals against the Warriors and the same stuff happened, I wonder if he's still the coach. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Brad seems like he doesn't play with that type of shit, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's the one thing. Like, I feel like Danny would have just been like, well, let's yeah. you know, pump the brakes here a little bit. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's that's tough. But yeah, yeah, maybe they just make him sit out the year um, like the Red Sox did with Alex Cora when he got cheating. They're like, yeah, he's gone for the year, but he'll be back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll get booed. And yeah, I've talked yeah. about this. Yeah, just because he let us down, right? Like True, we yeah. were, it was, were one big happy family. And then he, you know, obviously encroached on at least one female individual's life within the team uh, more than, you know, you could, he was overstayed his welcome. That, that is a bad way of putting it. He, he committed a, an egregious offense that is unforgivable. And uh, if what the rumors say are true, I'm glad he's gone because like we just can't have any part of that in our culture or really any any work or corporate environment. I'm sort of surprised he's been employed yeah. elsewhere. And in doing that, he obviously let down that individual massively, but he let down the players and the team as well because in committing that offense, like he had to go, right? So I think he'll be booed yeah. on that front. Um, and then like it's, it helps that we've been great kind of since as well, especially this year. And we have a, a sort of certain confidence behind us in our detraction of and booing of Ime Doka as well. So I'll be really surprised if he's, he's not booed, but also and just going back to like, how do you feel about his return? Like I feel kind of dirty and weird about it because it's such a complicated, dirty situation. And I wish we kind of just didn't have to see him. If I'm being honest, I don't want to see him. I'm, I'm offended by his presence and his face oh. to be honest. Oh, yeah. so, I don't know. I'm yes. kind of like, oh, I'm kind of interested to see how everybody interacts because, like, it's going to be a. Bi- Here's the problem: is it's going to be a big love fest between Tatum, yes. Udoka. That's the thing. I know, is which it, just makes oh, it worse for the fan. I think. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is, and like you know, the all the, all the reporting and stuff. Like, was it you know, this nothing illegal or anything happened? So it's like the players. A lot of the players clearly, I don't think, just like agreed with him being gone, and so. Tatum's like, any chance he gets, he's like, two things. One, he made my favorite coach of all time. Two, mm-hmm. Al Hoffman, my favorite teammate of all time. Yeah. But the first one is kind of pro- semi-problematic with uh, the, con- the situation we're, we're in here. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's complicated, right? Maybe, maybe we should leave it there. We don't have all the facts. How but, about those um, Timberwolves? Yeah, yeah, we know he's gone for a reason. Yeah, those, so those Timberwolves, uh, look... <laughs> I just think that we'll beat the Wolves because they beat us uh, in such a fashion last time we saw them that this will be a motivated 
healthy team, somewhat well-rested. Like KP, you know, we just played those two games against the the Pacers. He had like basically one of them off. His eye might be sore, but his lower extremities are hopefully are feeling good. <laughs> Tatum's going to be back with his, uh, after his, you know, ankle sprain management situation, he's going to be feeling good and rested as well. This team is going to be motivated to beat this this Wolves team. And even if they didn't have that recent history, this regular season, like the, the, the what, top seed in the West, like they're just going to be motivated to beat a team that's at that same level of, of contendership, if that's a word. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm predicting a win here for the Celtics. Oh, I like that. It'd be interesting to see what happens with uh, the injury report because Drew, questionable with the elbow sprain again, which is surprising to me that that's kind of popped back up. Like how does the in- this right elbow sprain go away, come back? Um, Al Horford, questionable. Um, with an illness, uh, Porzingis, right knee contusion, are they getting ready to like load up to win the Bucks game? Because the Bucks game, for the purpose of the standings, is far more important than the Timberwolves game. Like, if you win this Bucks game, like that, that could honestly be like the the securing the one seed right now. Because mm-hmm. Joel Embiid looks like he's going to be out tomorrow. He has no. He's just. They're not going to be pushing for the one or the two seed. He's not going to play enough games. They're kind of starting to crumble a little bit. And the Celtics are winning too many games to be like, to fall back five games without catastrophic injury. But if you win this game against the Bucs, that gives you two wins, which means you only got to go one and two in the next two against the Bucs to get the tiebreaker. Plus that gives you like a four and a half game lead over the Bucs, which is just going to make it tough for them to to catch him. So like, would you you consider resting Horford and Porzingis against the T-Wolves? Or is this just purely they're actually sick? Aaron Neesmith probably coughed in Al Horford's mouth um, at the free throw line and put, and like the the attempt to blind Porzingis didn't go well enough. He avoided being blinded. So he came in with a crowbar on the bench and fucking went after Porzingis' knee next. It's just like, yeah, so I, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, I just I think you've got to have Al for that box matchup. I think you've got to do whatever you have to do, which if, if history tells us anything, you've got to rest him against the, the Wolves here because he is just so good against the Bucks, And I think he's in their heads a little bit just because of how, you know, typically yeah. dominant he's been against them in recent years. So, and I just, I like to see Al uh, go against a, a team like the Bucks, And especially it, there's a little bit of a sense of like kicking while they're down. Like they're terrible right now. So like, let's, let's see a relatively full strength Celtics go up against that team. And, you know, when seeding's a factor as it isn't against the Wolves, like you said there, Jake, I think that's really important. I don't know. Any closing yeah. thoughts, Spoonie, before we wrap this one up? No, agree with all of it. 3-0, and feeling good. Let's go. <laughs> Wolves are on a tough back-to-back. They're, like, traveling tonight, too. Like, mm-hmm. right where know. we want them. That's bad. Orlando, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long flight going from the warm weather yeah. to the cold weather. That's that's huge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's like a foot the... and a half of snow on the ground when I left, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> looks like the magic of Elise made it close enough where the T-Wolves still have their starters in. So, like, Towns has now played 30 minutes. Edwards good. is in foul trouble earlier, so he... He's only at 20 minutes right now, but they're all have at least played 20 plus, you know, towns at 30 minutes. Um, not good for my same game parlay, that's for sure, with Edwards foul trouble. But, um, uh, shout out FanDuel. Shout out, shout out FanDuel. Uh, yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm calling two and one. I, I called three and two in this five game stretch of uh, Jazz, Pacers, Pacers, Bucks, T Wolves. So Wolves. right now we're yeah. two and one, should be three and oh, really, frustratingly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just got to go one on one here. But, uh, let's do All it. Right, well, look, shout out everyone in the chat. This was a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe to the First of the Floor YouTube channel. Leave a comment, five star ratings, all that good stuff. We'll be back in the next few days with more pods, more late night shows, hopefully to celebrate the Celtics beating the Wolves and the Bucks. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Go Celtics.